0: Dig in arms side
1: Welcome one and all to Vision On Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Our returning co-presenter this week is once again the ever-popular Warren Cummings, joining me for another meander around the highways and byways of whatever and wherever our conversations prompted by the topic of television may take us, whether it's up-to-the-minute stories from the news or fond memories of television shows made before either of us were various twinkles in a meaningful look or three. This week our journey starts with fond memories of the work of two actors who in recent months have both passed on from this world, Dennis Waterman and Peter Bowles, and our conversation takes a slightly dark turn as we consider the effect that high-profile celebrity deaths have upon those of us who appreciate and remember their work, despite most of us often never having actually met them. Then via a brief look at Turtle's progress for some reason, we take some time to consider the filming locations used for television programs we have enjoyed through the years, which takes us, perhaps not too surprisingly, to a lay-by in Gerard's Cross. So, once again, let's fire up our Faberado International time engines and set our coordinates for that London in the decade that taste forgot, where the ties, jacket lapels, and flares were as wide as the River Thames itself.
0: Hello, how the devil are you, Maltin Holmes? How the devil are you? Ah, oh, I'm fine and dandy. Thank you very much. We
1: are here once again. Once again, we are gathered oh, together in this I place. Think here we are, <laughs> and we're going to talk a bit about telly in our strange and peculiar world, where we just sort of have conversations about television and things that have been current, things that are old, things that just happened in the news since we last spoke.
0: Something new, something borrowed, something blue.
1: Well, I am trying generally to think, you know, I mean, I often think to myself, why would anybody listen to this show? And I think it's because of Warren. You know, we, what's our unique <laughs> selling point? And it's, and it's because oh. every, every so often Warren comes along and we, ha- we have a fun hour. So um, that's our USP. If we need a USP. Oh, well, you've
0: just put the bar really high down for me this evening, haven't you?
1: <laughs> well, I like, I like to keep on your toes. It keeps keeps things happening.
0: So, um, yes, very quickly. Yeah. Yes. We
1: are going to just randomly do what we've been doing a couple of times recently and just have a bit of a natter. So a few things in the news recently, of course, one of your, I presume, uh, were you fond of uh, Dennis Waterman? What do you mean in a biblical sense? No, in the sense of, as,
0: a, as a, <laughs> did you enjoy his work? Um, Yes, but he was very pigeonholed, wasn't he? Mm. Funny you should talk about Dennis. I've got my notes mm. about Dennis in front of me, actually. No, that's handy. Um, do you want me to sing it? <laughs> Dennis written it so shall I sing it <laughs> Could you write a
1: song in, in five minutes that's the title of our show <laughs> it might become our new title sequence I
0: could be so good for you oh not that
1: one no. you had that one uh, we oh. could talk about the telly we could talk about the telly no. <gasps> apples
0: and pears apples, apples and, and pears, pears. <laughs> Little blimey, lover duck. Little bit cockney, little bit cockney. Ooh are geezer, little dodgy maybe. But underneath these, all right is Arthur. Oh no, that was one of his songs as well. Oh no, that was by the firm, wasn't it? Yeah. So Arthur th- Daily little dodgy maybe.
1: Yes, the famous musician and sometime actor Dennis Waterman passed recently. Yes. Uh, yeah. Obviously a big part of the Sweeney and uh, Minder for us. But mm-hmm. uh, what, what what's the um? Lives and Loves of a She devil I I forgot he was in Lives and Loves of a She devil Just William Just William but not the Bonnie Langford version No
0: not not the one that is screaming screaming tell I'm thick version mm. well, No the 1962 BBC William mm. Brown mm. or aka Was he about 40 when he did that <laughs> smoking,
1: <laughs> smoking 20 yeah. a day or whatever it was Well there's
0: this wonderful speech that he does because he wins the Evening Standard Award in right. 1970-something or other for his part in the Sweeney okay. for Best Newcomer. <laughs> and he, he goes up onto stage and he gives this wonderful short speech and basically makes it is so sarcastic and drops hints that he's been working since the late 50s. <laughs> and nobody's taken a blind notice of him. And he's been on mainstream telly and no one's mentioned his name before. Wow. And he gets this award for Best Newcomer. And brilliant. It is on YouTube. It's a wonderful clip. And he's half cut as well, which actually helps as well. Yeah, only half. Oh, that's only half, yes. Uh, well, you know. We believe they had a few sherbets filming the Sweeney. Well, yes. What was it um, Sheila says about her husband, the dear old John Thorne? Thorne? Thor? <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Spiky <laughs> character, yes. Oh, I'll have, a, I'll have a sherbet, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, so well, now, as you can com- see,
1: we're doing this show on water. On water?
0: Well, we diluted the whiskey a bit, yes. <laughs> we're on the rocks already. <laughs> A this is the drag.
1: Titanic, mate. We've hit the iceberg and we're going down by the head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm jumped into the water. I have a chair and a spoon. I'm making for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were going through what uh, she classed as their alcoholic period. yeah, oh. and Which... Apparently commenced at the beginning of the series and finished at the end of the oh, series. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say commenced at the beginning of the 1960s and went through to the end of the, 20s,
0: <laughs> the 1990s. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I did, Dennis. I like Dennis Waterman because of the Sweeney. That's oh. obviously going to be the first thing that's introduced oh. me to him. Um, there's very little that survives, isn't there, of just William. Yeah. Uh, I only a few bits well, and pieces. Well, as
1: indeed a lot of 60s TV. It's, it, it's... Yeah,
0: but he did a lot of stage work. He was in the yeah. West End. He was in Lionel Bart's yeah. um, version of Oliver Ooh. at The Mermaid in London. Nice big app. Yeah, that's a nice app. And <laughs> in 1968, forgive the term of the phrase, the film Up the Junction. Oh. He was in that. He was in Pro- Colditz as well. Proper acting. Yeah, proper actor. He was in Colditz as well. Mm-hmm as a Gestapo officer. And unfortunately, he was in the Hammer film Scars of Dracula, and he was about as effectual as a cream cake in a furnace. (laughs) (laughs) I I watched it the other day, and um, I started yawning 10 minutes into it when he appeared. (laughs) Oh dear! He just it was not good. Right. It was not good. It was not his best appearance. But it
1: wasn't lifting something to a slightly higher level in no. any way, shape, or form. In no, way, and
0: he's uh, he just plays a cockney, doesn't he? He's very right. good at playing cockney. He's from South London, anyway. Right. But South London, he's not really born within the sight of bow legs. No. Um, <laughs> but it's weird isn't it the thing that always gets me about
1: the Sweeney is neither of the leads are particularly long-lived I mean I know 74 is not you no know,
0: time at all is it but it
1: you know it, you kind of feel, did all those those triple whiskeys
0: sort of take their toll back in the day or, or... and all those packets of 20 Rothmans mm. as well yeah I mean yeah, you look at that class of actor mm. and they come up during that period Heavy smoking, heavy drinking days, wasn't it? And it was—it yeah. was the way of some of the actors' careers. Yeah. I mean, John was exactly the same, wasn't he? And bless his heart, he had a throat cancer, didn't he? And uh,
1: Dennis Waterman stayed with uh, New Tricks all the way through. He's the only actor who stayed throughout, isn't he? From what I know, uh,
0: he didn't do the last. Think, oh, did two he? Three, no. three seasons? Okay. No, but basically, he's playing a uh, retired George Carter, in that is—he <laughs> <Pretty laughs> just yeah. he is so. Oh any the theme tuned mm. <laughs> we in there? I know it's
1: it's a bit 21st century really but were you a fan of New Tricks at all or did you just think it was a bit cheesy or
0: Um I like the first season of New Tricks actually mm
1: kind of cold cases and retired cops looking into them isn't it? It's...
0: Yeah um who are trying to sort of, but they've all got idiosyncrasies you know, haven't mm. they? Because one of them is an ex uh, complaints investigation mm. inspector and you've got one who was uh, was pensioned out of the job because mm. he had irregularities with his head mm. and you've got an, uh, the Dennis Waterman character who is a bit of a fly by night mm. it's, it's hinted he was in the flying squad wasn't it? Yeah.
1: It's kind of last of the summer wine for old policemen, isn't it?
0: <laughs> where they go down, go down the hill in, in a, bath. a bathtub with a strap-on blue light on the front.
1: Chasing those other three blokes in the other bath, yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> and it went on, well, it did
1: seem to be on nearly as many years as well. Oh, it
0: just went on forever. There was a problem with, um, because um, they didn't know whether it was going to continue after the third season because mm. James Boland um, because there was great Money's to be tapped into in the mm. merchandising, either DVDs. And mm. James Boland didn't want to um, give his seal of approval mm. on the releasing of the DVDs, mm. and they were relying on the money mm. to part finance the show, the fourth season. Mm. And so there was a bit of hoorah over that. And I think he got a bit of a bung mm. in a, a brown paper envelope, <laughs> and um, the rest is history. Um, I, I like the first... I've got the first season. I'm looking at it actually on mm. my... Um, as my shelf. Mm. I actually like... like all good programmes, the first episode is very good. Mm. And it's sort of a mixture of light drama, I would say, on yeah. a serious subject, mm. with humour. It's one
1: humor. of those shows... well, there's a short list of shows that basically have... Grizzly murder fun theme tune, <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and, they, and they cut straight to the jolly, and it's it, that's always been a bit of a a strange combination for me. It's like the uh, Death in Paradise, the Murder
0: Island, if you prefer. You know, it's the oh, same kind gosh, of thing. Oh, yeah. horrible death, horrible death! I mean, I mean, Death in Paradise is just Bergerac somewhere hot. Yes,
1: <laughs> or or I mean, even to a certain extent, it takes the Poirot structure, doesn't it? Really, you know, you, you have huggy parrot, you have mm. the sort of Limited number of suspects, and they all gather in a room at the end, you know, and, and it's yeah. all explained to them. So that's kind of an interesting format, and it obviously works, and it works in a different context. But it's basically
0: that. But the issue with having a murderer on an island is, mm. where the hell are they going to escape to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you, just you think there's a high murder
1: rate in Oxford, mate? You've got oh, no idea. No, I'd this pinprick in the, in the
0: Atlantic is like. <laughs> How long did Morse go on for? About 20, 22 years. No, not and quite, oh, not really. they were slaughtering half of Oxford, <laughs> weren't they? Nobody was safe there. It was Doms and, and Patrick Troughton and on his yeah. bicycle. It's basically.
1: I think someone had an idea that some of some of these people wanted to be MPs and thought they'd better get them
0: out of the way before they got the chance to. Be. <laughs> And another thing, he was an alcoholic as well. I think I think there's a bit of a calling here for police dramas. Unless you're a raging alcoholic, you can't. Your character's a raging alcoholic. You can't. You can't be in a successful police drama.
1: It's a very easy way to do a bit of character background. Explain why they they're on their own. Why they're a, raverick, a maverick or even a raverick. No, the, a, raverick. They're a maverick cop. Why they they've got their own ways of doing things. It's become. The sort of shorthand for that, and it, it's actually become a bit of a cliche now, hasn't it? Really, the you know, I mean, I know I'm sure that the average police station is like the temperance society, I imagine nobody ever has a drop touch their lips. But, um, the um, I'm the, sorry, which
0: world have you been living in? <laughs> the, days, I mean, the days in of fiction, the, bottle of scotch, but, uh, <laughs> the days of the bottle of scotch in the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet are long gone. Well, not, not now, the got fridges, gone. yes. <laughs> The days of having to drive your colleagues home because they've been on a drink with mm-hmm. the rest of their team. Okay. Or as we used to call it, met Metcabs. <laughs> we, just remember, folks, we pay our taxes as well. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, this, is the, um, this, is the, this is the price you have to pay. <laughs> anyway, Dennis Waterman. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so anyway, uh, Dennis Waterman. I mean, it's actually quite... Do you feel when these icons from your past do you actually feel moved by the news or are you one of, the, one of these people who you know it's just another actor who i never met or well, i mean maybe you did meet him but um, what i mean is do you actually feel any connection at all because i'm finding more and more as as you get older the more and more of these people are going and it does sometimes feel quite like you have a connection you know, or bits of your own past are starting to, sort of slowly be chipped away at, and I don't know because you could say, well, you know, you don't, you never knew him, you never met him, you know, what, you know, why, why are you getting upset about some random actor from some show that was on 30 years ago? Do you actually f- still feel though that the impact of their lost years perhaps after they've appeared on television, is still quite the thing that, as fans of television, you still feel.
0: I, I do, and I think very much it. This this sort of pollinates throughout the community mm. uh, or, or the the viewing public because you put this along the lines of favorite soap opera stars mm. dying, people from Coronation Street. Mm. Uh, they become uh, or East Enders. Yeah, they feel like Aldean part of the family. Market. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's interesting from that point of view of. It always feels worse, perhaps, when it's someone who's currently on a show, and it's sudden. Like. Yes, yeah. But so you, you actually only saw them on something three days ago. What I imagine it—it it was very difficult for people who were in the audience when Sid James keeled over. You know, it—it—that it, yeah.
0: that would have been a very personal. Well, it's, it's Tommy Cooper syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. those sort of things have a high. I, mm. I, I, do you know? I watched that on TV, mm. and it wasn't till the the news later on that Mm. you found out that he died and i was Mm. quite shocked because if they have an intrinsic part of your growing up and Mm. dennis waterman did have an intrinsic Mm. part of my growing up i did watch the sweeney i liked minder when it first started Mm. um it it got very tired and samey samey Mm. but i also liked george cole as well so i'd watch that um, because I'd like to miss Flash Harry in. Mm. Um, the, the I knew him first as Flash movies. Harry, yeah. Um wasn't like it? it? Yeah. It's something about the stirring of old dust, isn't it? Mm. People who uh, my worst moment's probably going to come when Tom goes. Mm. When Tom Baker goes, that mm. is my childhood. That mm. is my. What I think. Well as grown ups you can't see what children's role models are these days. No. we assume all oh, their role models are going to be footballers but all
1: pop stars or pop stars or, or, pop stars or
0: mm. yeah or podcasters or
1: <laughs> YouTubers. I, I imagine people were quite horrified when, you know, when the big bopper and the aeroplane went down. I imagine that the day the music died, you know, that... that Oh, Buddy Holly. Yeah, and all that. It must have... That must have... Because it's sudden and it's, you know, and they were all so yeah. young. There is a kind of thing when people, you know, say they're 20 years on from perhaps when you last saw them and everything like that. But, I mean, the number of people when somebody, uh, you know, is announced, they say, oh, I thought he died years ago, which I must was be. about
0: Yeah, I was, that must... That's terrible, isn't it? Because mm. you think if they... I thought that. Mm. Then you think to yourself, well, that passed me by if it had happened. Mm. There was a terrible thing that when our family used to go, we first went abroad and Richard Beckensdale died mm. whilst we were abroad. And um, it's the first holiday we had as a family abroad. Mm. And subsequently, the three following holidays mm. that we had abroad over a number of years, a uh, celebrity died. Oh. You know, I Um, think that's
1: a a very weird phenomenon because you know
0: how when you are on holiday,
1: you're kind of, well, we used to be able to get away from the media bubble. You'd be sort of slightly detached from everything. I remember going to Germany, uh, oh gosh, when would it have been? About 30 years ago now. And I was on a train heading home and I saw a newspaper next to me and it said, Hess ist tot. So, rudolph hess had died yeah and i thought how did i not know that and i'm thinking well because mm. i was on holiday you know i wasn't watching news every day and it's interesting to me also i remember being in a lobby of a motel in america and seeing a headline on a newspaper again that uh, davy jones from the monkeys had died oh, so yeah. you can tell when i, I can date my holidays yeah. now people from that if you like <laughs> but um it's actually at home if something like that happened that i felt connection to i'd be devouring everything i'd be watching the news i'd be reading all the what there was to read about it i suppose so actually to just catch a headline while you're away and go oh that's sad and uh, i'd you know and you, and you sort of find it, trying to find an excuse to pick up a newspaper
0: at some point During the day, you know, um, you see, I don't like to pick up newspapers. I used Mm. to, when I used to work in London, I used to pick up the metro Mm. and read it, the uh, terrible just to pass the hour of catching the train into the city. But I remember being on a London bus and I must have been about 11 or 12, and I was Mm. visiting my aunt, great aunt up there, and I was catching the bus. It was 52 and it was in Kensington High Street, Mm. and I just picked up this newspaper and I looked at the front cover, it was the evening standard when it was actually a quality mm. paper. Um, and um, it was a picture of Arthur Lowe, and it just said, ah. Captain Mannering dies. Mm. And from then on, other than picking up a Metro, I've never picked up a proper paper and looked at it, because it's sort of, oh, every time I seem to do something, it yeah. sort of dies.
1: Ah, kiss of death, Cummings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, don't go abroad, don't look at a paper.
1: The Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Strikes again. He's been out reaping. But then, no, Dennis Waterman didn't have that much of an impact as such. No. He, it wasn't any great surprise to me, to be fair. It wasn't
1: Again, it's interesting how sometimes these things do get buried. I mean, the, the amount of times that Tony Hart has died since he actually died, because people just failed to notice it. Uh, yeah. And every so often someone notices it, posts it, and go, oh no, how sad! And you think, yeah, it was five years ago, or whatever it was now, you know. it's. And, so I remember someone a couple of weeks ago who, who said, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't realised that Sean Connery had died. Or, how did you miss that? <laughs> how did you miss that? I, you know, but again, sometimes the thing is that if you time these things rightly, you can sneak away <laughs> on a really, really
0: <laughs> Big news day, and nobody yeah. will notice, you know. Yeah, good skill that takes good skills as well. I mean, a
1: couple of months ago, I tell you what gets me is uh, Peter Bowles, yes, P- Peter Bowles, famous actor for To the Man of Born for most mm. people, but actually, television fans will know him from a, a great deal of other things yes. you know, appearing in the Avengers, in Callan, in uh, funnily enough, I the day before he died, Survivors, I was even. watching an Avengers episode, he was in, but uh, it's he your keeps popping up. He's well, he's in the opening episode of Survivors, and it's not a Peter Balls show, which still astonishes me. <laughs> he appears with James Bolum in uh, Only When I Laugh, so you know, so yeah, again, never mind. We you
0: know, all we'll have our crosses to bear, <laughs> <laughs> which you can get on DVD, surprisingly. <laughs> I i'd like to going off on a tangent because yeah. I like to go off on a tangent because there's no bicycles, but take a tangent mm. is quicker. I loved. Only when I laughed. Mm. But there was one thing that used to really bug me. It was, was it Peter Balls? It was cheap. I, I, it, was oh, a three, yeah. it was a four-hander, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but there was only ever one set. Yeah. And <laughs> and the other thing is that four years in hospital seems seems a lot, really. Well, he's having his wallet removed. <laughs> James Boland wouldn't allow him to have the operation. No,
1: not unless he got a bung in a brown envelope. Exactly. Are we going to
0: be able to transmit this? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Am I going to get lawyers? Oh, dear me. Anyway, no. Um, So, Peter Bowles. Now, Peter Bowles, connection. Because I have uh, recently... Have you been watching any old telly recently?
0: Um, Not particularly old, old telly. Oh, I have, actually. Yes, 1970s stuff I've been watching. Right. Because I've had a bit of a phase
1: recently. I've had a bit of a phase where I was feeling a bit defeated by many things. And one of the things I was feeling defeated by was the amount of time I was spending watching telly. Which, considering we're doing this show. (laughs) 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 Yes, so next week, the entire theme of the show is going to be completely... We're not actually going to talk about telly anymore. We're going to talk about budgies. Um, We're going to (laughs) to do (laughs) it by mime. (laughs) Yes, radio mime, yes. But uh, I had a really low couple of days and i i just you know that thing where you go and you sort of go along the shelf and you think oh what shall i watch what shall i watch and i couldn't really think of anything and off the shelf recently i picked a little set i bought two or three years ago in a sale of Mm -hmm. which was a, a jewel it was two series in one box set which was called the hanged man and Turtle's Progress.
0: Oh, I've heard of Turtle's Progress, yeah. I
1: remember really enjoying Turtle's Progress, one of those very few shows, a bit like Charles Endel Esquire, that I remember watching with my dad. And we liked Turtle's Progress. Now, I hadn't realised it was a sort of semi. Comedy spin off from The Hanged Man, and it's been on the shelf for a long time simply because I thought, Oh, I don't know if I fancy The Hanged Man, it sounds very dour, and the characters mm. don't sound very likeable. But I thought, Well, I, you know, I had nothing, I was, you know, it's like you, you fancy watching something, but you don't want to watch something specific. And so I put yes. on The Hanged Man, and I found I watched the entire series in a day, and it was perfectly <laughs> adequate. No, it's <laughs> as, as a piece of 1975, slightly people on the peripheries drama it was perfectly acceptable yeah. but i put into Tur- a uh, turtle's progress is a joy it's an absolute really? joy to watch yeah i love it and i know i, I haven't it, seen it for years it's very weird it's kind of got that minder vibe going on it's got those you know dodgy deals and all that kind of thing i mean that i don't know if you remember the premise of it but uh, razor eddie malone played yes. by the, the wonderful michael atwell who in the hanged man is actually the same character who's played by gareth hunt which is It's kind of interesting connection. But Mm -hmm. Razor Eddie Malone and Turtle, I can never remember his first name. I'm not even sure he actually had one. John Landry, playing that, come into possession of a number of stolen safe deposit boxes. And basically, they open one a week, and that's the story of the week. And they say, nice little series. But the cast... The people who turn up, I mean, James Grout is in it as a, as a policeman. Oh, you know, but um, James
0: Grout is always a policeman.
1: Well, yes, except when he's a villain. And that's the yes. weird thing. It's a Yorkshire television production. So, actually, uh, about seven years before he, he plays a villain in The Beiderbeck Affair, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, <laughs> He he's, he's there playing a copper, only in the first series. The, the same copper in the second series is played by David Swift. So, he, they don't rename the character. They... They just replaced the actor, which is one of those strange and peculiar things that sometimes happens for reasons like Diana Rigg being replaced by Patricia Hodge in All Creatures Great and Small. But sometimes it's it's just availability. But the astonish I mean, Anthony Cher turned up in an episode today, yeah. as did Peter Bowles. And that would have been about nineteen seventy nine. So it's it's kind of fascinating as a piece of yorkshire tv from 1979 the amount of those brilliant character actors that you see in all sorts of things that turn up in it it's a surprisingly enjoyable series may
0: i ask was peter Bowles doing his upper crust accent or was he actually doing his native yorkshire
1: well he was playing a (laughs) he was playing a a dodgy uh, chief superintendent
0: So, oh, so... yeah, you would have sounded 100% genuine. i can assure you. <laughs> oh, do you want the pension now? Oh, I can hear them clattering through the door as I speak. <laughs> Typecast again, I see.
1: But, yeah, no, anyway, and I'll tell you what, the other thing I got off the shelf, the other thing I got off the shelf, and, and this mm-hmm. might surprise you. Dust? Because, you know, I'm not massively keen on sitcoms. Yeah. But I got a sitcom off the shelf. I got a sitcom I've had, again, on the shelf for two or three years. Sink or Swim. Do you remember Sink or Swim?
0: Oh, yes. Sink or Swim. Mm. Yes, I do remember that. Um, yes, that's a I... a series, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember the first series because I remember the ending with the the, the the boats on the back of the lorry going down the motorway. That's right. Yeah. Um, but no, I... when I was in Bristol... Yeah, they'd filmed a lot in Bristol. Mm. Yeah, a few years back. I went to see where it was moored up. And everything, yeah, it's quite sad, really, to do that. That's a typical TV buff fan type thing, isn't it? I'll go and just see where the boat was moored. Well, like. it's
1: funny, because that's one of the things on the things I was going to talk to you about, location, uh, lo- visiting ah. locations. Are, are you a fan of the visit of
0: the location? I don't specifically go anywhere unless it's right. beautiful mm. and serene and relaxing mm. and picturesque, mm. rather than visit it as a location. You haven't
1: gone and vi- visited seven different quarries just because tom baker was there once or (laughs) douglas adams was there once or something like
0: i usually yeah i usually sort of accidentally find myself ah in places where i go oh this looks familiar right Scarrow, yes because i used to live near um when i worked in london i lived outside london used to live near Mm. the quarry at gerald's cross so i lived near telos right then, oh, where Michael
1: Atwell was for um, Attack of the yeah.
0: Cybermen. Oh, there's a connection. See, all <laughs> things are connected.
1: Sorry, do oh, carry yeah. on.
0: Oh, yeah. Winspit. Well, windspit is in Dorset, and I've right. been to Winspit a couple of times, right. but not for the location work, but actually because it's quite a lovely place to go. Yeah. Yeah, so I sort of find myself... I mean, that's the thing about you lot, really, being in the
1: home counties, being in the south, there was, there was a lot more locations that were
0: used for things, weren't they, really? Dear boy, everything goes south in the end.
1: Yeah, well, you see, I mean, the (laughs) thing about what I find is if I watch uh, something like Cracker uh, or, or even Prime Suspect... Sometimes they're pretending to be London, but it's Manchester. A you know, big orange bus goes by or something like that. <laughs>
0: but, yeah. but the
1: thing is that when I watch these now, these are the Manchester I remember because this is the Manchester before the bomb, before the redevelopment, yeah. before before it sort of got cleaned up even. I, this is the Manchester that I'm more familiar with than necessarily the one that you see now. The one that you see now, I don't think, gets used as much in television as a location as it used to. Possibly because the skyline is changing so quickly
0: and rapidly, it's very difficult for the continuity. <laughs> so, so I'm going to throw throw a question into you mm. because i wanted to ask you this, and this has mm. given me the opportunity. Being a, Ma- are you a Mancunian? Uh, well, uh, born and raised in Stockport, so so probably proper
1: Mancunians would say no. But, but you, would, yeah. but I live in, I, I'm, in yeah, I'm in the periphery. Okay,
0: did you watch um, Life on Mars? <laughs> Uh, yes, that oh, yeah, part of that was filmed at Stockport Town Hall, yes. <laughs> yeah, really? I was going to say, when you watch something like Life on Mars... Mm-hmm. And... Are you location spotting? Are you location spotting, or are you watching something going, that wasn't like that in 70-something, or I thought I remember when this was there, <laughs> and that was there. Where is it? <laughs> uh, what I, I'm more fascinated
1: by, and I do this quite a lot with films as well, is bonkers Geography. So I, Oh, I mean... yes, linking stuff. If you watch something like Star Trek IV, where they go to San Francisco, and mm-hmm. how you know they're on a the bus going one way across the bridge, but actually where that takes them is somewhere else completely, and Monterey Bay is three hundred miles away, and all that kind of thing. I love that stuff, and Yosemite being another three hundred miles, but in a different direction. All those things. That went not Star Trek V, but you know, but it's just that there's a wonderful bit in uh, the Roger Moore, the Spy Who Loved Me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he he takes a walk at Karnak,
0: Oh yes, he's and he walks a couple of
1: hundred yards to uh, Abu Simbel, which is about two hundred miles away. (laughs) Yes, and things like that. I mean, because Giza, you know, basically all the pyramids and all the temples and all must be in about hundred yards from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And And I love that mad geography. And of course, you get that as well, especially when I mean, how can Doctor Who be filming in London when Cardiff looks perfectly like London most of the time? (laughs) How
0: dare they film in actual London? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, films have always bugged me. Um, hmm. Even old films where you're having car chases, hmm. and I get very upset, going, "You cannot do that because logically, that road just you've come down does not arrive here. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Don't, no, it's a one-way street. Don't be stupid. Bullets, great for that. I tell yeah. you what. One thing I do
1: love. There's a. I can't remember. Which episode of The Saint it is, but there's uh Peter Yates directed it. I think it's something like the King of Diamonds or something. The title's I haven't got it to hand. But that he does basically a prototype for bullet. He's got the you know the Saints of Volvo in oh, black yes. and white yes. going round London and he's got all the cameras in the cars and everything like that. He's doing a proper nighttime car chase in the Saint, and you think, yeah, now oh, it's Peter Yates, no surprise. You know how you can always spot a PJ <laughs> Uh, hammond, yeah. pj hammond directing because it's been shot through a, a window or a or a jam yeah. jar or something I was thinking, <laughs> oh, they, you obviously you could spot a pth saint episode because it, it's all suddenly on film and it's all sort of being shot with roving cameras in cars he's like i want to be a holly i want to do a hollywood car chase i want one i want one i want one i want one you <laughs> But are you a locations fan? I, mean, I imagine having spent a lot of time in London, basically everywhere's a location really, isn't it? I
0: think London, yeah, you do play in, in being particular fans of particular programmes, mm. you'll sit there and go yeah, that's there, that's there. Well, I'm am
1: a I'm a police box spotter in old films. I like to spot... All I these do, spots. yes. And in yes. an old TV series when they were still sort of quite common on the streets of, you know, so things like... What's the Robert Beattie one? But 999. Down 999 and you just see one or, or there's one in the background at the Tower of London or something. And, oh, and of you're course,
0: thinking of Gideon's
1: Way, aren't Gideon's you? Gideon's Way as well, yes. yes. But you actually... What I mean is there are maps aren't there which actually have the old police box sites marked on them so you there can actually are. start to work out the location <laughs> of yes. where they were, where the camera must have been for that and i know there are people i mean there, there are books aren't there of locations for certain tv shows and people go and visit them and presumably if you want to dress up in a stripy costume <laughs> and, and Miriam, go to port yeah. Marion, you can do that you know you might find all the doctor who fans dressed in, in renaissance gear coming the other way actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> lobbing oranges at you <laughs>
1: So whispered, splat. (laughs) But have you ever actually sort of, you know, specifically gone somewhere because it was a location
0: for something? I'm trying to think whether I have or not. Um, I think I might have done. Well, I know
1: you've been to the Seeds of Doom house, haven't you?
0: Oh, yeah, but that's that's because it's in the same county in which I live in. Yeah, so that's just one of the stately homes you would But yes, I went there particularly. I went with Andrew and Lisa. I went there particularly because it was a location. That's true. Yes, I did. Mm. And I went, oh, this is exceptionally small. (laughs) Mm. Well, which I was quite surprised at, it, and the grounds and the house weren't particularly big.
1: I think that's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? It's amazing to me, even to go to Port Miriam and realise what a compact space it actually is. Yeah, uh, I, I know there were bits. The, the grounds do extend quite far, but the actual, the built up part it's quite tiny really and compacted and literally you can go to another corner and film a different angle and it looks like a completely different place you can see the appeal of somewhere like that but you also find out that sometimes that when you read into location work you find that the building that's used as the main one and then there's a shed and it's 100 yards away (laughs) it's just amazingly the need for filming to be cheap and therefore yes. all the sights to be very close to each other, does actually surprise you when you go to places. place. It's not like when you meet people in real life and they're a foot shorter than you think they must be. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a similar kind <laughs> of thing. have only got one foot. Well, no, a foot... Yeah. And, but, yeah. in, yeah. but these places are much more compact. Oh, does agree. everywhere look bigger on television?
0: I think it does. I, I I genuinely do think it does. I mean, mm. uh, we talked about Windspit earlier. That Grand on. Canyon, yeah, no, <laughs> hey. it's a foot deep, mate. Foot deep. <laughs> foot deep.
1: All your, uh, I mean, life on Earth nonsense. Yeah, they'd make it look epic. No, it's, it's a all t- filmed tiny did... camera, tiny camera. Now filmed
0: in a tank in Bristol. <laughs> what you going on about? Places like Windspit for Destiny of the Daleks. Mm. Um, they make that look. A particularly large area. It mm. is minuscule and there is only one quarried out area that they can film in. It was just redressed so many different ways. I mean, you know
1: that nowadays with CGI, actually, sometimes the corner of a cupboard can become a whole universe. You know? yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. I know th- there's somebody in, in a lime green leotard, sort of with some balls attached to them and they're standing in front of a, a, you know, a, a green tarpaulin. But I've been to that club, but in the days pre CGI, the the ability of cameramen to make somewhere look like it was an entire alien world, and it you know if you move the camera one foot to the left, you'll see that chimney, or you'll see that TV yes. aerial, or something
0: like that. Yeah, well, time is money as well. When you it, 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 it's it's quickly shot and run isn't it well you
1: were telling me this when we were talking about the Sweeney all those months ago weren't you about how everything had to be half an hour from from their base from
0: Hammersmith yeah because Mm. um, the base had to be half an hour and it was literally a case of well if it rains we can go Mm. back to the studios and film in there Mm. we're not going to lose much
1: would you take a guess on what would be the most filmed landmark in London I'm assuming it's either Big Ben or Tower Bridge but
0: Well, no, I wasn't going to go for either of those, actually.
1: I was going to go for Trafalgar Square. All right. I was thinking it might also be the wharves, were well, the old wharves, because everywhere's used to... Film. Oh, God. Used, I used yeah, to occasionally old... be Singapore, didn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we are. we got to show them we're by the Thames. Show them that crane. That'll do. Well, I, I think
1: there's a fascinating thing about when you watch old telly, especially old telly, that it's, I mean, you know, it's something like Tenko, which you know was filmed in a sand pit, but the amount of... I mean, yes, they would film in actual Singapore, but there are lots of... When the shows we used to watch as children were globe-trotting all over the place. Most mm. of them were a pot plant and 100 yards from the front door. I mean, I, you, you think about <laughs> yes, yeah. the the grand house of Pinewood <laughs> and how, <laughs> oh, the number how of many people's houses it redressed.
0: Was. Yes, yeah. <laughs> ITC is probably the, the company that pushed the envelope as far as it could mm. possibly go filming at L Street and trying to redress L Street Studios as somewhere foreign. Well, I mean, that Coat and glorious. is amazing,
1: isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that driving that Ferrari and that Aston Martin along the A62 and pretending it's the <laughs> Coat look that we know they really went there. We know
0: they went. But that was one of the few ones that they did.
1: Well, there's also an entire episode of The Persuaders, which seems to take place on an unopened motorways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, there's some, there's a lot of TV stuff that does that. I mean, whoops, apocalypse, when they're driving down the motorway. It is clearly the M25 and it hasn't been finished. You've got Dixon of <laughs> Doc Green that having the slowest car chase in the entire history of television down the M5 whilst it's still being built. But by the time they got to the end of it, there was someone cutting a ribbon. <laughs> Do you have a location that you'd like to seek out
1: if you could, though? I mean, is there somewhere that you think, oh, I'd really like to go there? You I'd I'd like to walk in Dixon's
0: footsteps or something. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I'd love to go. I've never been to Port Miriam. I mean, you took the words out of my mind. Mm. I'd love to go to Port mm. Miriam. I really would. Mm. That is because there is, and I imagine it is very small. hmm but there is just something about the fact that you have the, the concrete ship mm. and the tide going out there. And when the tide goes out of Poromir and goes a heck of a distance, doesn't mm. it? So that also gives it that isolated feel to it mm. as well. Like the sea's not coming back because it doesn't want to. I
1: but think there's a, there's a nice thing about the actual episodes, of the half-hour episodes of Danger Man that filmed there as well, which was a good six years earlier, six, mm. seven years earlier and you can almost see the gears clicking in Patrick McGowan's mind, you know, hold on, we could pretend this is Italy or something, you know, but because they, they do a couple of episodes that are supposed to be in Italy and it's and it's all Port Miriam, but they're on that peninsula and you can see the ka-ching, I can save some money and it'll look international. You can see the workings of his brain in action there. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating to see these like locations a few weeks earlier or months earlier, or even years earlier. I mean, again, going back to Dial 999, whose title I did forget earlier, actually the difference between location filming then where obviously you stuck a camera in the street everybody would stop and look at it yes (laughs) from (laughs) from nowadays where you know you've got all these people clearing the crowds do you ever still spot somebody glancing at the camera
0: i don't because they have these wonderful ways now of sort of they're either doing high shots aren't they or Mm. they're 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 shooting from through boxes and things Mm. like this aren't they? they but there's the old trick isn't there of having the fake camera Mm. so they'll set up the distraction camera that everybody will look at mm. and they won't be using that and what I always trick.
1: liked. The, the other ITC thing that I liked is that uh, certainly in the peak ITC years is when they would be filming two series at the same time, and I often get the, <laughs> I do often get the impression that that the the camera crew for Department Ed or just nipped round the corner, and then the crew from Rundle and Upkur <laughs>
0: come back round the other side and come, use there, and, and you sometimes wonder <laughs> if you just see them disappearing in the in the <laughs> the edge of the shot, you know, <laughs> and all you can hear is Lou Gray going excellent Mormon air. <laughs> as he well, as his 60 foot cigar is lit well they did
1: i mean they use the same cars for both shows i just think it's uh, wonderful that, uh, that the the sense that they could actually think hmm, but we can save a few quid here that's that's nice. and about that london uh, that I, I i mean i'm cause I i don't haven't spent a lot of time in london but one of the things i mean we talked about this when we talked about the blue lamp i just love those lost worlds those those when the you know you you see the streets with these old cars on them and they're quite open and and the yeah. streets you I mean you those when you see location footage where people just walk straight down Downing
0: Street you know it's yes that, yeah you know. and there was no I remember I remember walking up as a child in the mm. 70s, you could walk. You could have up your picture taken on the doorstep. And you, you? you could have your picture. Yeah, literally, quite literally have your. Ask the policeman, could I have my picture? And he'll go, yes, there's nobody here. You can have your photos. And it's quite amazing. I remember when the gates came in, there was a bit of a hoorah when mm. the gates came in. They, they came in shortly after Mrs. Thatcher, I believe, didn't they? They did. Uh, okay. As a security issue. But would you like to know my unexpected visit to a film location? Which was the most unglamorous film location I'd ever been, which isn't where it says it is in the programme. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not when you went to see the the bill. No. no. Oh, no. Oh, we've I have done oh, that one. Yes, I haven't done that. Done that. Well, I haven't done that. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that one in a moment if you like. Mm. Um, my car was playing up when I lived up in London. My car was playing up and um, I pulled over and laid by, and there was mm. like a one of these tea stands and it was boiling over this the car. And did John Cleese come and hit your car with a stick <laughs> You're actually you're you're not too far away from oh my. the location. <laughs> it's it's just outside Gerrard Cross. It was the right. but it acted, it's always described as the Barnet Bypass. Ah It's the Logopolis lay by Oh right And, and you lost your I I stood there. there and I was going, This place looks bloody familiar and um, and the the M twenty five flyover would have been set back slightly. It wouldn't have been built. The flyover wouldn't have been built at that point. I don't right. think because it's not in any of the shots. No. And I'm looking at across, and I'm looking at the wonky fence on and the other side. And there's a white side. figure there. <laughs> there's a bloke all dressed in white waving at me. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and I went, "Bloody hell! I'm in the Lagopolis layby." And that was, <laughs> and it started to piddle with rain. <laughs> that is about as. That is bad well, as. But well, you didn't. You didn't yet. get
1: harangued by an Australian yes. air hostess. No. No. no, no, no she's no. looking for a night errand. <laughs> <laughs> when you went back to your car, there were some Action Men on the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> so he escaped. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm assuming the police box had gone by then. Oh, the police box. Yeah, well, or oh, you would have recognised it straight away. Prior to transmission, they demolished the police box, hadn't they? A few months prior to transmission. Well, that's what you do, isn't it? You sort of, you get a
1: film crew. They say, uh, "Can we come and film in your place?" And you, go, oh yes, you give all the permissions, and then you demolish
0: it. <laughs> demolish the police box.
1: Yeah. What's that massive, massive factory or old ruined factory that was used in Blake Seven? You know, the one with Dieter... Dieter Tarrant. And oh tickets. yes, and and that turns oh, up in the Sweeney, and it turns up in the, oh, the well, Avengers. Oh, in that case,
0: then yeah, I can tell you exactly where that is. Yes, that's the South Hall Gasworks. Ah, literally, it's an invasion of the dinosaurs. And you know how you can tell it's the Hall Gasworks. Go You've on. got a street. It was housing that was built before you used to get to the um, the old industrial units. There used to be housing for the gasworks staff. Right. And you quite often saw them being redressed and used in 70s dramas. Right. Because on the corner, there's a pub. Yeah, It's a black and white building and it has the Chiswick Brewery written on it. <laughs> and it's not, but that was the name of the company that right. supplied beer for the workers for the Southall Gas Company. So okay. when you watch your 70s programme, your 60s or your 70s drama, mm. and they show that, That is the old Southworth gas plant. And it would have... That was open till... It's gone now because that's Mm. gone to housing because last time I went up to London, went past it on the train and I went, oh, the gasworks have gone... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I There's always used of... to recognise it and yeah. yeah, it used to and it's the fa- it's got the famous hangar I don't know, like they had in The Professionals where mm. they drive in and the roof is gone, but you've mm. got the lattice work at the top mm. and that used to turn up in a lot of things like The Sweeney The Professionals, yeah. those type of shows where they used to skid round in their cars and do things like that. Yeah, that's, that's the famous Southall Gasworks
1: Makes you wonder where they film this stuff now because they knocked all these things down, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? It's funny when you look at location listings, even because uh, White City was used quite a lot as well, wasn't it? And that got flattened as well. So,
0: well, the old so, White City station, yeah. isn't it, opposite the BBC? And, and of course, all that yeah.
1: stuff, all that wasteland near Tower Bridge as well,
0: that is now all developed. And Oh, yeah, I yes, I remember the coach park being there in the 70s. Mm. Um, but now that's County Hall but there used to be a huge coach park there in the 70s mm. and that used to be a really run down area um, you didn't go down there because no. there was no walkway on the front of the Thames it was just derelict mm. space and that was quite weird to see of course the number of times Butler's Wharf mm. appears in the 70s and 80s mm. and it's either used for Sherlock Holmes because it's used a lot for um, mudlarking, Murder by Decree and such, such films as that to mm. give it that sort of east end vibe to it yes but it's usually i mean even that turned i watched the um, the episode regan the other day and mm. that's that's bloody butler's wharf as well <laughs> but yeah i mean you got dalek invasion of earth that was butler's wharf as well weren't you which strangely enough they use for um resurrection of the daleks that's as right. well
1: and of course the isle of dogs basically is now the millennium dome isn't it so yeah I mean, I, I remember staying on, on the Isle of Dogs, you know, as a kid for some weekend event or other, you know, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, really. I know we, we talk about locations, but I remember when we watched May Gray, No. the May Gray, Rupert Davis May Gray could mm-hmm. be filmed in Paris. When you watch the Rowan Atkinson May Gray, they have to film in Hungary to make it look like Paris because <laughs> Paris doesn't look like Paris did anymore. And I imagine there's a lot of that with London as well, isn't there? Old London now is very difficult to find original places where you could stick a camera in it. You know, if you wanted
0: to do Whitechapel now, well, yeah, it's interesting you should say that. I was watching even even in the 1970s to do Whitechapel, Mm. um, the Jeffrey Whitehead and uh, his name will come to me, Sherlock Holmes that they did. Mm. They filmed in uh, Budapest. That's right, and of course there is a there is a park, isn't there, where Christie's house was in uh, Rillington Place. Oh, ten Rillington Place. Now, yeah, mm. they demolished that a few a couple of years, I think, after mm. I think after. Um, the actual because it was getting uh ghoulish notorious yes, but it, mm, it's not mm. it's not there now that the mm. whole area is not it's there it's a park now. isn't it that, that yeah. they made a small
1: park rather than build a house on it for yeah for, but, um, for obvious reasons yeah
0: and of course there's a, that famous shot they used the same road as a shot in looking at the logistics of it in the lady killers the mm. evening film the lady killers is actually shot straight up towards the road from Burlington Place. I think it's fascinating as an
1: insight into all all these things are a fascinating insight into the London that's gone, really. I mean, all the gentrification or whatever, the building of tower blocks. They don't half look run away. When we talked about the blue lamp, those areas, I know there was bomb damage, I know there was the blitz and all that kind Mm. of thing, but some of these areas just look, run down don't
0: they they look yeah they've never even in the 50s you see, Mm. they still look as though they could be in the previous century Mm. don't they Mm. but do you find that films are far too well films or tv programs you know the 70s are too london centric for locations
1: uh there's a lot of them isn't there i mean that i suspect is more to do with what's survived as much as anything i mean you think about something like public eye public eye would take a different City wouldn't it so it would do a series in Birmingham or Windsor or Brighton so they sort of stretched the envelope a bit but it was so much easier to film in London and the big Mm. production companies were Thames and LWT weren't
0: they? Yes true yeah.
1: I mean the one thing that gets me about again uh, going into film is the Bond film uh, The World Is Not Enough (laughs) and that opening Far too long sequence filmed all around London. And it, you kind of think, I imagine the rest of the world were terribly excited to see London, but actually people in Britain watching that were going, we'd see that every week on EastEnders, mate. You know, but
0: it was all filmed to showcase one thing, wasn't it? The dome. The dome. The dome. And the dome wasn't even complete. No. They actually had to fabricate one side of the dome. Mm. Because it hadn't even been constructed properly yet. So that, yeah, I think it was very much a case of showcasing London before mm. the Olympics as well, wasn't but it? But are you able
1: to to spot fake London as opposed to real London? Are you pretty good? Have you got a? Good oh right yes.
0: Oh, I have a. I have a terrible memory of an episode of Heart to Heart, mm. and they're reminiscing about Jennifer's younger days when she lived in London, right? Because she was English, allegedly. Oh, okay. I never suppose I spoke proper English before. And love uh, Gore Love. Love a Duck. duck Gore blind <laughs> guff. Um and they'd done flashback scenes before mm. two or three times about her past and her past is always different. Right. Anyway, they're in this car showroom buying a a Rolls Royce and this right. bus this London bus goes past with a conductor hanging off the back of it, with his hat at a jaunty angle, grinning right. madly. Well, in a, You can uh, tell it's
1: always tell it's a British production <laughs> or it's supposed to be set in England because a red bus will yes. go by within the, about 10 seconds of the thing starting.
0: And I looked at this bus mm. and I went, this is supposed to be the 1970s. This is wrong. Where's that bus <laughs> come from? So... It was the only bit of transport that you saw. Didn't see any hmm. other cars. You just saw people walking up and down, bowler hats and umbrellas. Please, I hate it when you do that. Bowler hats. oh well. Really, no. What about
1: when Jessica Fletcher goes to Ireland? Oh, <laughs> that beautiful Lord, no. Californian blue sky, <laughs> some mansion somewhere, and a couple of ramshackle huts, and oh, it's it's all a bit green. Yeah, that that's that's Ireland. Yes.
0: So this bus bugged me for years. So hmm. one day I was in the London Transport Museum and I thought, I'm going to find this bus. Right. <laughs> I'm going to find what type You're of gonna bus You're going to go all Barbara Wright on it. You're going to drive it down the street and knock down some dustbins. Exactly. So I found a bus that looked very similar <laughs> to it. And it was pre-1939. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, this is the Americans. We need a bus. Where are we going to get a bus from? It's all right. Mm. It's red. It's a double decker. We'll stick right. someone on the bus. Holding on to the conductor, he wasn't even holding a ticket machine, he was just wearing a long coat with Mm. a hat on, the peaked cap on, and I'm like, you're just trying, I I know it's a simple cutaway shot, but it, yeah, yeah, it's like saying um, there was a Trine and Retribution series, Mm. and a lot of the stuff, studio stuff, was split between Warehouse in Uxbridge, Yeah and uh, professional tv studios when were right. went doing location stuff so i had to go and do some inquiries and right. uh, opposite there there's a parade of houses so i did my inquiries and i went and knocked on their door to sm- take some inquiries about something mm. i was dealing with and they in- invited me in and i was quite excited because i went into because there was nothing being filmed that i went into the police station set Right. And the first thing I went was, well, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not right. And then they said, oh, let us show you. There's a um, an apartment set, they said. Mm. Um, want to see if you think it's, if you would be convinced it's genuine. Mm. It's an apartment in New York. Right. And I said, okay. And they showed me, and I walked into this set. And the set was really, really good, must say. Mm. It was really, really good. Mm. Until i spotted the British phone. Mm. <laughs> Oh. And I said, uh, I said, I'm really you, you... TV buffs are sort of people who would notice things like oh, this.
1: Oh, I, I remember a long time ago watching a Mission Impossible that was supposed to be set in London and
0: going, the plug sockets are wrong. You've got those two-pin <laughs> American yes. plugs. They had three-pin pad sockets, and so I went, but you've got three-pin plugs. That's where we plug in the lamps. Uh... But I said they're going to be spotted. Yeah. Oh, I've never thought of that. And of course, you've got the. The fake background outside the window—the mm. um, any—it it could be any city mm. skyline type thing. And uh, when I actually saw it on screen, mm. yeah, it looked convincing because it was lit properly mm. and it was shot tightly. But when you walked onto the set, you were like, "This isn't convincing at all." Because I used to watch the ITC stuff, yeah. And you'll go, "You're supposed to be in some Timpot regime. Why they got a British telephone?" <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that comes
1: from the fact that? If, as you're a Brit watching people trying to fake Britain, you'll spot it, but you might not spot it in American stuff because Americans will spot it, but Brits won't. Yeah. For our pains recently, we've been watching quite a lot of a series that's uh, ended now, which was on for about 15 years, which is called Criminal Minds, which is Mm. about the FBI profilers, and it's, God, it's depressing. But... (laughs) The interesting thing to me is because that's one of those American shows where the investigators go to a different city every episode. And there always seems to be, at some point, there seems to be a local bus to let you know. And I actually think somewhere in Los Angeles, there must be a depot that has a bus from every single city (laughs) with every single possible paint job. Or they drive them over just for that shot so they can film in downtown L.A.
0: I was in Cardiff recently, okay, and I'm walking down one of the main shopping streets in Cardiff, and I right. went. There's the shopping centre from um, Rose, mm-hmm. and okay. I'm going Rose. right. Yeah, I it was never convinced me in the first place that it was no. in London, and what they did to convince people, they brought two Routemaster buses up from London. <laughs> Unfortunately, they'd phased out Routemaster buses by the time they <laughs> they filmed Rose, but the the buses were the wrong colour. Mm. <laughs> and um, it was just all wrong. It was just, mm. and you think to yourself, "Well, that's that's for the international market." Yeah, and It'd also a I casual mean, viewer. Maybe yeah. if
1: you get carried away by the plot, you don't notice these things. I mean, the one that always gets me in terms of Doctor Who filming is the, the runaway bride that's supposed to be on Christmas Day, and it, all the glorious sunshine in the middle of. The- <laughs> All the trees are green. It's uh, it's, it's, the, it's the best summer that, that Wales had ever seen. <laughs> Sorry, London ever
0: seen but lots, lots of lorries. <laughs> it's the M4 flyover. Yeah. It's clearly the M4 yeah. flyover. Lots
1: of lots of lorries with Welsh dragons on the front. I'm sure that lorries do drive to London with Welsh dragons on the front, but it's a <laughs> bit of a. Stretch. It's
0: like watching Z cars, isn't it? And um we're oh, yeah, watching yes. it going. Uh, Liverpool, oh, yes, the God, Merseyside. Yes. yes. Mm. <laughs> they very, very, very rarely filmed anything in Liverpool. Mm. And you're looking at it and you're going, That's the Guinness factory. Because <laughs> <laughs> they use the, the they use the A4 a lot at night and you're going, but that's the Hoover building my granddad used to build Hoover's in there. <laughs> 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 it's ridiculous. So I'm looking at this going, okay now. And that is when I start to go, right, I probably can find my way around this city by locations. <laughs> it's it's a funny things that we retain in our brain. Yeah. And when you find the location, you just overlay the two and you go, oh... Oh, is that, is that where they film? Really? <laughs> and sometimes and, and, and it's impressive. And sometimes, Like you not.
1: say, sometimes you just pull up in a lay and you suddenly realise you're in a <laughs> show you watched 20 years earlier. Right. Well, Absolutely. I think we've done our hour there, uh,
0: Warren. Oh, once yeah.
1: again, we've rattled through another hour, so thank you We very started much. off with
0: Dennis Waterman and finished up in a lay-bar in Gerald's Cross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure
1: that happened more than once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you take care. And you too,
0: you Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Many thanks again to Warren Cummings for joining me for another jolly meander round the back streets of this strange land we are exploring known as television. He don't half get about, does he? Anyway, I'm sure Warren will be back with us again fairly shortly and in the meantime you can listen to his unique insights into the world of cinema via the recently renamed Cinematic Sausage Podcast. And so, after our whistle-stop tour of some of the more familiar filming locations of all that old telly we watch, that's just about it for yet another Vision on Sound. There's just time to thank everyone at Radio International for all that they do to make these shows possible, and of course, thanks to all of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now, and take care.